It sounds like I'm underwater. Hello, people. I'm um I'm gonna be real with you all. Um, I have a sandwich in front of me. And um I've been working hard today and I have not eaten. So if I take a bite, you know, excuse me, it's not to be ghetto or unprofessional, but you know, people eat on TV. Radio, podcast, you know. Just just look at this as a cooking show. Um don't, don't come for me, Marty. Um, how y'all doing? I'm Nate, uh, host of the Artist Exchange Radio Show here live only on theexposedradio.com. Um I'm the host, the only host. Because all my co-hosts be wilding out and doing dumb shit. So <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> they do. They be, oh, I've, I'd have had some sensitive co-hosts that just, I guess they wanted me to make them rich and famous and, you know, give them a platform. But um, I'm about that give and take life. You know, I'm no longer um, empty and my treasure chest to support others. Let me put a little chat to I feel a little dry. How y'all doing out there? It's been a long week uh, since we last talked. Um, our last show was pretty interesting. We had missed, uh, was that the last show? Was that Friday? I don't remember. Time is, all these days are just going by. And I hate having to come to you all every week with the same um with the same message about customers. Ooh, that almost hit me. I'm glad I wasn't bent over because that would have hit me. I call myself setting up the lighting. I say that. Sort of it. I can't stand it. Setting up the lighting so I'll be ready today. But it just keeps it's this one over here. I don't think this light likes me. Cause it keeps hitting me. Um, but I'm trying to get this space together so I can, you know, do some more. And here's a big room. And I don't know who paints a floor white, but my floor is white. There's no carpet in this room. So I'm just, you know, trying to figure out how to turn this into a studio um, and like an art space. I'm bringing some of my artwork in here and hanging it up. What's up, Mervin? Hey, what's up? Did you see that? Did I see what? Is that Mervin, the writer? How you been, sir? So I, I know this is uh, horrible, but I'm I'm trying to get it together today. I promise you guys. Uh, but okay, so let me start again. So, hey, uh, today, well, let me preface this by saying two things. I got two things to talk about up front. One, as a consumer, I am very understanding to, as we're in a pandemic right now, you know, um, we're in a really tight place with uh, our, um, delivery services and people calling out and quitting and getting sick and dying and such. 
Um, I'm aware of all of that. Where I'm at with it is, never mind, you saw it. Okay, okay. Uh, but as a consumer, I'm very patient. But when I know you're giving me BS, I become unpatient. Can you hear me good, Marnie? Um, I'm, I get very patient. I'm, I'm very patient, but my patience runs, runs very thin when I feel like I'm being played or being um, ran around a bush. Every big company, whether it be a FedEx or USPS or UPS or Amazon or so-and-so, for the most part, I've had a good experience with deliveries and things getting to me through deliveries. Okay. One, the, my patience level is a bit higher than probably the normal consumer because I have an online business that requires me to get people their orders. And I remember when I first started doing online sales, I wasn't used to the 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 flow of it i'm gonna have to get you on soon if you uh if you want to come on you know we're all digital right now so i'm gonna have to get you on mervin when you um have some free time uh message me um and let me know sir let me tell you um yeah hit me up i want to bring you on see what's been up with you what's new and all that jazz, sir. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna hit you up, Mervin. But uh, I'm, my patience, as I was saying, my patience level is so high because as a person who delivers uh, packages to people from my business, my online business, I've, I made mistakes in the beginning. So I normally have a lot of patience with people. But when you plan with me, and everything has become about this COVID nineteen, and you got to hit an automated message when you first call in, and then when you get to this person and that person, that person, and I've worked in customer service, uh, tele tele services uh, as well, and I know how um, I know how. BS it could be behind the scenes and you tell people what they want to hear just to get them off the phone or get the problem off, you know, quickly done. So you're not on the phone that long. Um, so I understand what that means um, to, you know, customer service and to the client. So I've been on both sides. Long story short, I'm just having the biggest issue with um, like, delivery, the, the actual delivery to the home. So I live in an area where um, my block is west, and if you just cross the next intersection, the next street, it turns into east. So it's that, that close. And normally when you're that close in terms of two different um, uh, addresses, but they're the same address, but it's very close. So when you get that close, in terms of numbering, and it's like a east or west or north or south, things can happen that is um, that just a mistake. Like your order could be sent, you know, off, or the person who is sending your package omits the the west or the east from your address. I, all that I get, I understand. Um, I, I get a little frustrated because most times I'm delivering something. It's not something like a pair of shoes or something that I want to you know, a household item or something is normally, you know, something that I'm using for work. Well, today, well, yesterday, a package wasn't delivered to me uh, and I was patient 
went through the customer service, requested a, a new delivery because they don't automatically send it back out now. You got to call and request for it to be delivered out if it's a certain situation. Um, and then today, mail was delivered. My item's still not there. I call in, give them the little code number they give you. They is not on record. So whoever took, whoever had me on hold online yesterday, didn't do what they were supposed to do. It was very frustrating. So when I when I popped off today, um, after being patient for about a half an hour, when they couldn't tell me where my package is, where I can get it, and I paid my money not only to to uh, purchase this item, but to get it here in a certain amount of time. So that's extra money. Um, and I'm not wealthy. Um, and I work hard for my, my coins. Uh, it was very frustrating. Just the customer service, just people not understanding how frustrated we are because we've paid for our items. But yet everything now is being blamed on COVID-19. Yet, you know, I've been ordering my groceries and um, I haven't really been ordering out. I, I had to stop that. I haven't done that in a week now because I, I, that was astronomical. But other than that, a lot of other things from other countries, you know, other states, been getting here on time. And I, whenever it comes to either UPS, I haven't had much issues with FedEx, but UPS and USPS, they just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I don't understand it. Most of that customer service, they're not here. They're not local. So, of course, they don't, when you telling them the difference between an address or whatever, they're not really understanding. Um, you can't really talk to somebody at a local post office unless you go into it. Uh, and I, the way my post office, my local post office is to my zip code uh, is not really, um, it's not, uh, it's not like around the corner or something I can get to. Um, hence why I never go there. I always go to the one downtown, further downtown. But um, anyway, I'm not going to complain anymore. But I, I'm just, I just want people to get better. Get better at your customer service. Now, on the flip side of that, um, as a business owner who sells jewelry, I had a complaint. My first complaint ever in life, even even when I was making mistakes, I always made up for my mistakes, um, making something extra, you know, giving them a refund and still sending them their package. If it took too long, took me too long to mail something out or make something, um, or if I was waiting on something, I'll, you know, something that I was, I needed to make it and that was late, I would treat them to something else or give them a discount or something free in the future. So I try to do everything I can. Well, this lady, she escalated a complaint. Now, mind you, what she ordered, um, I made it as she asked me to make it, exactly how she asked me to make it, uh, and she wasn't satisfied with it. I guess, you know, she didn't take into consideration how heavy they would be. So they were heavier than what she expected them to be. And I, I make these, I sold these same earrings to maybe nine people in like the last three months. Um, and had no issues, you know, but she wanted it a little bit different than what I normally make in terms of the beads and the fabric and, and stuff like that. So I made it over again. And then out of the blue, I get a complaint saying um, that she didn't like it. It wasn't as she ordered it. Like this, she gave me one star out of five um, and really just... Um, 
she went off. She 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 literally went off on me. And I I was trying to be understanding. I was trying to be um cooperative in terms of her 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 message. And so I messaged her back a message saying, um being completely transparent, this is my business. Um and I would have appreciated if you contacted me first and, and let me know if you had any issues. If you do have any issues, I can definitely rectify that. But um, that one star, you know, really reflects bad on on the Internet. Now that everybody's ordering everything online, now people go right to, you know, what your ratings are and determine whether or not they're going to buy stuff. And I'm, I'm not, you know, upset because I have so many other good uh, stars, but it was just how she wrote it as if I didn't do what she asked me to do. She basically, everything she asked me to do, she said I didn't do. And I'm very meticulous when it comes to making my jewelry. So I made it specifically to the specs that she asked me for, specifications that she needed. But uh, her response to me was, I'm aware that this is your business. And uh, she said she read my policy and understands that I have a no refund policy, but I will exchange or repair items that may have gotten broken. But it's at your expense that you send it back and you have to pay for um, you have to pay for shipping. That's all I ask you to do. If you want to exchange, if you want something redone, you have to pay for the shipping um, to me and from me. Um, uh, and she said, it, it, I didn't say the product was bad. Uh, if you do not want criticism, then don't ask the customer for a review. Um, and, and I, and I understand her being frustrated and I'm actually reading this part for the first time. Uh, you're not always going to get a rave review. It seems in my business and I just have to accept the customer's review and do or not do or don't make any changes to my the, the way I work or my habits. I she did she miswrote wrote that obviously, but it, it just frustrated me that um, not so much that she gave me a bad review, but before you even reached out to the company, because I'm one I don't mind going to customer service, but I'm not gonna give anybody a bad review or a bad mark if I haven't spoken to them. Or if I haven't done and it, and it, I guess because it was my first time, it did. It was a little jarring, but the way she wrote it, it was like I was horrible. It wasn't what she asked for. Um, it was a horrible. It, she didn't like it. it. She just went down the line, and I, I just wanted to speak on that because I I do complain about other customer service, so I, I have to be transparent and, and when it comes back to me, also share that as well. But I, uh, you know, and I'm not perfect, but it was just we we are so we're so used to now going to social media and just griping, 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 griping that we don't do the follow up step. So I normally once I bring it to my show, that means I've done everything that I could, everything that I knew how to rectify the situation. And when I don't get any response or you haven't uh, helped me, then it's an issue. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm over that. Oh, my earpiece came out. So I wanted to, I just had to get that out because that, that frustrated me today. Um, I have a couple, um,
uh, I had a couple things I wanted to do. Right now, um, I see a lot of people are losing a lot of sleep over this election, um, <coughs> Marnie. Uh, and <laughs> uh, I, I'm very confident that we're going to get a, a win in the favor of Biden and Kamala. Kamala. Why do I keep saying her name wrong? Uh, Kamala. Um, but it's still a little stressful because I'm starting to see a lot of negativity online from people who do not want them to win. And I'm really concerned, as we've been talking about before, um, I'm concerned as to um, what will happen. Like, will we get retaliations? We've already seen it's been a number of video clips of people being surrounded and, and uh <coughs> verbally attacked by Trump supporters who are threatening to uh, retaliate if he doesn't win. I'm sorry about that. I don't want to try. I'm, so I'm just concerned um, because many of us, we live in areas where there are a lot, like the area that I'm in, I didn't realize how many people in Baltimore with Trump supporters, because I've been coming across a lot of people, um, not so much that I know personally, like friends, but people I work with. Um, I've been just going through people pages, just checking, you know, just scrolling through, and I'm noticing there are a lot more Trump supporters than we than we uh, realize. Um, and as you are um, keeping up to date with where the race is, I know we are uh, a couple days beyond the election, but just don't, you know, don't drive yourself crazy, you know, check on it, you know, a couple of times throughout the day, don't make it such a habit to go, because it's going to stress you out more on top of this pandemic already being stressful enough. Uh, so don't, don't kill yourself trying to, um, trying to do this. Um, so I have a couple articles that I wanted to go over. Uh, a management company that is owned by Jared Kushner files to evict hundreds of families as the moratorium expires. White House advises company Westminster Management and other landlords prepare to remove tenants behind on rent during the pandemic. Now, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, what can be done? Um, because a lot of people are out of our work. I know personally a lot of um, uh, auxiliary staff members and uh, school from the school system and um, resource teachers that were fired. It was over 400 that were fired um, in the course of uh, a month from the uh, school. And it was right after school had opened up, actually. So a, a little over 400 people were fired. I know from that, there were a lot of people that were still laid off um, at the end of the summer, uh, people who were laid off before the summer started at the beginning of the pandemic that still have not been able to get back to work, that are still dependent on um, unemployment, which has, uh, in many, for many people, decreased, um, and, and not just from the, um, well, based on the pandemic uninsurance, unemployment insurance, and 
people are trying to live and survive off of savings and, you know, part-time gigs and such. There's been an increase in people who have been uh, employed by Lyft and Uber and Instacart and Amazon. <coughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned with where this country is going to go. And the fact that Biden is slated to win this election um, based on the, on the polls and the latest numbers and such. Um, I'm just concerned on concerned about where we will go in the next couple months in terms of how people will get back on their feet, um, which plan and strategy. Uh, oh, um, I just want to keep saying Obama. What plans and strategies that uh, Biden and Kamala have and, and turning this country around. And I just see us being in the same predicament that we were in in the beginning of Obama's first term and how rough it felt. Um, and I don't think we really felt it as much as we probably will feel it this time. Um, because, you know, we were still able to work. We were still able to, you know, um, live a normal day-to-day life and not be in the middle of a major pan- world pandemic, global pandemic. So I'm just really concerned with where we are in terms of um, in terms of this and having uh, Trump's son-in-law being a landlord and watching him now start the, start the process to um, evicting individuals. It really... It said, and I know on one side, pay your bills. On the other side, how am I going to pay my bills if, you know, unemployment is at an all-time high right now and people are really struggling and, you know, this pandemic is on the rise. We in a, many people are saying that just the third phase that we're in right now and it really feels, um, the unknown really feels scary to me right now, and I don't know how to um, emotionally prepare. Um, and as an artist, I, I've been doing a lot of workshops and going to a lot of workshops rather, and uh, the discussion is is how do we as artists survive? Um, and I normally, you know, a lot of the conversations that I have on here are normally geared towards, you know, entrepreneurs and, um, community leaders and and such. So I'm really just, um, I'm just weirded out right now. I'm weirded out. I'm trying to figure out how we, how we move past this in a way, because hearing this, um, uh, just reading this article, uh, Westminster Management, an apartment company owned in part by White House senior advisor Jared Kushner, has submitted hundreds of eviction filings, hundreds. That means it's not just a handful. So that means there is an issue. What can we do to support people? What can we do to help people? Not necessarily give them free rent, but what can we do to further help them? Uh, hundreds of eviction filings in court against tenants with past due rent during the pandemic. According to the interview with more than a dozen tenants and a review of hundreds of the company's filing, a state eviction moratorium currently bars Maryland courts from removing tenants from their homes and a federal 
uh, moratorium offers renters additional protection, but like other landlords around the country, Westminster has been sending letters to tenants threatening legal fees and then filing eviction notices in court. A first legal step towards removing tenants. Those notices are now piling up in local courthouses as part of a national backlog of tens of thousands of cases that ex expect that experts warn could lead to a surge and displaced renters across the country. As eviction bans expire and courts resume processing cases, many of the Westminster te tenants facing evictions live on live on low or middle incomes uh, in modest apartments in the Baltimore area. According to tenants, some of them told the Washington Post they fell behind on rent after losing a job or wages because of the pandemic. And this is not anything that we don't know, but this is in our own backyard. So what will happen to all these people? Um, what will, where will they go? You know, a number of people, there are a big, huge population of people that, that, that aren't from Baltimore. So going with family and friends may not necessarily be an option, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Um, but what will happen? Like, what's the plan? And, and as a landlord, I understand your bottom line is, is, is more important to you, but where will these people go? Or are in having, having a position like advisor, a senior advisor in the White House, what can you do to help the issue on? You, you have all these experts at your disposal. What can you help those tenants and many tenants like them with? So I'm really, um, just a little frustrated in in uh, in the process and in, in, in how this is going on, um, and I I'll keep it updated because this article is is very new within the last week, um, so I'm just um, I'm just very curious as to what what we plan on doing. Uh, the next article, scientists think. I'm gonna come back to that one, but I just I wanted to put that out there because that's a real possibility. That's a real um, red flag right now in our communities. Uh, we already suffer from a lot of homelessness here in the Baltimore DMV area, and to have all these people now be evicted is not going to help those numbers go down. Um, so the next article: scientists think about 40% of happiness is genetic, while the rest comes from and comes down to three main components. Happiness is only partially determined by your junk. Oh, I hate those bikes. Happiness is only partially determined by your, your genes, and the rest comes down to lifestyle and other environmental factors that you cannot control. <clears throat> three main components of happiness are satisfaction, feeling engaged in everyday activities and feeling you have a purpose in life. Um, I've been having a lot of conversations with uh, friends and um, uh, coworkers and such. And because a lot of us are working from home and a lot of us are out of work, um, people are feeling a strain in life. And I, I've spoken a couple of times and very recently, actually, um, just about feeling just a little dark. Um, and I have creative outlets that kind of help me to balance that out and kind of get through that. But often 
um, uh, many people don't, you know, especially if you, you used to work in nine to five, coming home and going to sleep and starting it all over again. A lot of people are having a lot of trouble with just being okay through this. Um, there are proven ways to increase happiness, including volunteering and exercising, getting out into nature and having a spiritual practice, among other things. Um, some people seem to be born with a happier, carefree disposition than others. And research indicates that, yes, some of you of your sense of well-being may be in your genes, but only partially. So. Uh, how how you handle stress how you handle depression how you handle grief and a number of a number of factors that would make you unhappy um how you handle those things normally come from how you've been raised and that's that's something right throughout this pandemic something i've been working on you know breaking a lot of um uh, i wouldn't call them genetic um issues but just dealing with me and that was the hardest part about um, going through this pandemic, Pandemic dealing with me. Uh, I stay alone. I have my own place, so I stay alone. And I haven't had any company uh, here uh, in terms of, like, someone living with me. And I, um, it, it was the hardest part was dealing with me on a daily day-to-day day -day basis. I was used to getting up early and going to the school I teach at. And from there, I would either go to the station or to another job I'm working at. And from there, I'll be in rehearsal or, you know, doing an event or at a program or something and normally not getting home until late at night. And that was my everyday life. And Sundays were the only day that I normally had to like this fall back and prepare for the next week and rest up for the week ahead. And, um, this has been like this a rotation. Like often some days you don't even know what, what day it is. So you you just end up in a cycle and you're going and going and going and going. And there's no real, the rhythm that you used to have is, is over. And um, that's something that I've had to deal with. Uh, this article, it, it lets us know that a lot of what we go through is genetic or, um, I think, and that's a very generic term now because we know a lot of things aren't necessarily hereditary, meaning through our DNA or our blood system, but it's how we were raised. It's the system. So I'm translating genetics and genes and the verbiage that's in this article to mean just how you were raised, the patterns that you took on um, from childhood to adult. Your genes make up an estimated 40% of your ability to be happy, says uh, psychiatrist Susan Zinn of Susan Zinn Therapy in Santa Monica, California. But that doesn't mean that if you weren't born with certain genes, you're destined to be unhappy. Zinn says that it's completely possible to rewire our brains from happiness because the other 60% of, of happiness comes down to lifestyle and other environmental factors like work, school, friendships, relationships. You know, uh, learn more about how your genetic makeup contributes to your life satisfaction and how you can increase feeling of happiness and well-being, regardless of what your genetic sequence might say about you. 
types of happiness. Happiness is typically determined by three main components, as I said before. Uh, the first one being life satisfaction. This is usually linked to positive emotions based on past, present, and projected future experiences. Uh, uh, specifically, your past can influence future life. Satisfaction by how you frame and in the future in your mind. Oh, wait a minute, let me say that again. Uh, your past can influence future life satisfaction by how you frame the future in your mind. For instance, if you suffered from trauma in your past, then you you may think your future will not be satisfying because of, of your envisioned worst case scenarios. <clears throat> Next is feeling engaged uh, with what you're doing every day, be it be it at work, at school, at, in relationships, or in your leisure time. It's important to feel invested in the people you spend time with, your career or your hobbies. Um, and I get to speak to a lot of artists, and often artists are really torn between a regular nine-to-five that pays the bills and allows them the the financial backing and a foundation to be able to do the things creatively that they feel destined to do. And then you have the other artists that are totally invested in the art artistic side of what they do. And they found a rhythm and they found a flow. And often unhappiness can, can lie on either of those sides, depending on um, the person. <clears throat> but a lot of artists like myself, we are struggling between the two sides finding work that is uh, financially giving to us and still being able to sustain ourselves as full-time or artists in general. Um, but you have to find that connection in what you're doing and be engaged in it. So I often tell artists, don't pick a job simply because it pays the bills. Find something that will have you um, in or about around what you love to do. Um, for me, that was teaching. So instead of me um, dropping art and just going and being a full-time, you know, first grade teacher or middle school teacher, I found a job where I was able to teach what it is that I love to do, theater, public speaking, um, music. Um, and then I get to infuse, you know, life skills and all those things into that, but I'm doing something that keeps me fulfilled. So I'm all constantly having to study my my passion in order to be able to teach it to someone else. So I'm staying connected, even in the moments where I may not be on stage. Um, but that meant that I had to take a step back from being an artist full time and maybe create a schedule. So this year, because of the pandemic, I was scheduled to do three shows, um, but I only got to do two of them. Um, and uh, so that means I had to just rework how I was able to perform. And due to the pandemic, I got to do things virtually um, and more than I had actually planned for this year. But just making sure you're staying engaged with what you're doing. The next one is having meaning and purpose in your life. This may be described as feeling that uh, what you do in life is important, that you have goals or aspirations, or perhaps what you do helps others. Um, find, and, and that's more so finding the fulfillment 
in what you're doing. Even if, if it's your passion, your passion can often get boring. It can get dull. It can get mundane. It can be. It can become a job, like a regular nine to five job could be. Um, and we have to find ways to make sure what we're doing is still fulfilling to us. Just because you know you become rich and famous doesn't mean that you're personally fulfilled. So you have to find fulfillment even in what you love to do. So always making sure you're giving back, always making sure you know you are absolutely happy in what you're doing because you may be doing what you love, but it may not be the people you love. It may not be the environment that you love. It may not be, you know, you know, for me as an actor, I will only do plays that speak to my culture, my experiences and my needs as an artist. Um, I won't do a play for the sake of doing a play. I won't do, I won't work creatively for the sake of just a paycheck. I've done that before and it's normally not as fulfilling. Uh, The next one is, is there a happy, is there a happiness gene? Research indicates that we can inherit Many traits, and that when we when you hear um, genetic predispo- genetically predisposed, what's in your gene or what's in your bloodline, normally the verbiage is off, and it's normally something you have inherited. Meaning, uh, if if your parents did not uh, adopt a healthier eating habit, chances are you're not going to adopt a healthier eating habit until you have to. Um, if if your if your parents didn't drive, you probably won't drive either. Um, and it's it's normally little things that may not seem important, but you may inherit inherit traits, attitudes, dispositions. Um, a big one is drug and alcohol. If you grew up in an environment where drugs and alcohol was, you know, freely flowing, you may be more predisposed to being a drug addict or alcoholic. Um, so by that, oh man, let me start from the top. Research indicates that we have, we can inherit many traits, including optimism, self-esteem, and happiness. Just like we can, uh, we can inherit depression, sadness, low self-esteem, um, so, and, and pessimism. So by the, by that logic, yes, there are genes that may be may leave you predisposed to a happier disposition and vice versa. Uh, Can you learn to be happier? Despite your genetic makeup, there are ways you can learn to be a happier individual, even in difficult times. Other traits such as resilience can be cultivated over time. And, uh, that 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 one in terms of can you be happy? My motto in life now is to choose your joy. Um, it's very easy for us to go the opposite way. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Many of us, like myself, we live alone. Um, I'm having to supplement what I normally do as a full time artist across the board with things at home now. Um, and I'm not used to being at home a lot. I'm, I'm not used to being by myself a lot. So learning how to still navigate and make the choice, because ultimately, even if it's a very difficult 
um, heavy choice, it's still a choice nevertheless to be happy. Um, and you, there are plenty of things that you can do. Um, and it, in most times it starts with just a daily choice. Sometimes you, it's from hour to hour, minute to minute, second to second, but ultimately day to day, you have to choose, uh, to be happy and uh, affirmations help with that on a daily basis to keep you motivated. Um, and what we talked about last was making sure your environment, the people around you, you have enjoyment, you're engaging and you're making sure there's purpose in everything that you're doing. Um, you have a choice. It's no different than deciding what to wear or what food to order. When it comes to your happiness, uh, there's a lot we can do about it. Uh, one way to achieve a happier state is to let go of a quest for perfectionism. Uh, that focus only that focuses only on the end goal of success. Uh, linking happiness with perfectionism and success is common in in the American culture, but it leads you to a you to concentrate on on the su- summit of what. You want achieve what what you want to achieve rather than the journey of what happens along the way. Um, one of my biggest struggles have been um, and being in a moment, enjoying the moment, enjoying the moment, um, and finding peace within uh, the journey. We often know what we want, and often what we want is a goal. Is not um, an end result. Uh, the end result is I want to be blah, 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 blah. I want to be the best, da, 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 da. And <clears throat> those are all goals. So we, we focus our attention on the finish line and goals versus paying attention to the journey because often our success, we find that in the journey, you know, at the finish line, you're, you're either successful or you're not. But the journey determines your success. The journey determines your happiness overall. Uh, <clears throat> it says uh, three things that you can do. Here are some of the other particular ways to choose happiness. Um, volunteering, doing something for others takes the focus off of yourself and can make you feel good according to this uh, research that Ms. Zen has done. Even if you can't make a regular commitment to volunteering, think of small things you can do to help others, such as picking up groceries for someone not able to get them on their own. And that uh, one of the reasons that I brought Miss Christina Flowers on is because giving was a, was a big part of my childhood. Um, many of my family members were givers. Um, uh, my, in terms of my schooling, because of the type of school I went to, um, we had to do um, our volunteer hours once a week, like the whole school. Um, and we often went to nursing homes and homeless shelters, or we did um, some civic work, meaning like cleaning up a park or something like that. So until I was probably like 17, 18, that was a part of my education. You had to do something once a week. The two schools that I went to, you had to do something. So as an adult, I've adapted that, but it wasn't as routine as it had been, as structured as it had been. You know, and I, sometimes I did way too much. Sometimes I didn't do enough in my, in my mind. Um, but volunteerism, giving back, and you can pick things within your passion. 
to do things and on your level, whether it be, you know, helping somebody with, you know, running lines or, you know, babysitting a, a, a niece or nephew or family friend or something, something on your terms. And helping others has always made me feel great. And that's probably why I've overindulged in it. And many times, and many times, it says one, another thing is exercise. Physically, physical activity isn't just helpful for your body; it's also great for your mind. A um, movement helps you to release the feel-good chemical dopamine. Current federal guidelines uh, recommend 150 minutes of moderate physical activity a week. 150. Wow, that doesn't seem like a lot when I read it this way, physical activity a week, which breaks down to 30 minutes, five days a week. Um, and that's something right now, along with the second one, nutrition, the third one, I mean, um, I don't think, you know, I've really put too much em- emphasis on exercise, especially like in my 20s or in my early 30s. I don't think I put as much emphasis because I was always active. So I think that's how I kept it. And it's literally been through this pandemic that I felt an actual change in my body. I've been feeling it a cup for the last couple of years in doses, but it hasn't been until I've been very um, more set, sedentary um, and, and still uh, in these last eight months or so that I felt my body react to no activity or little to no activity. Um, so I've been paying a lot more attention to, you know, if it's something as simple as, you know, walking around the block or um, just taking a, you know, doing a walking to a, a errand instead of um, getting in a car or something like that. Um, nutrition is the last one. And it says a healthy diet can have a huge effect on your self-confidence, health, and subsequently happiness, uh, if your happiness. If, you, if you're wondering what type of food to eat, uh, I, now, I'm, I'm not going to give out this information because I think this is something that everybody should contact a, um, a um, why is the name out of my, my nutritionist? Um, and even if you you have no insurance. There are clinics that offer nutrition as a uh, as one of their services. So you don't necessarily have to have insurance to have a nutritionist, but it helps. Uh, but you can go to a clinic and you know get a, a, a provider that way and and see a nutritionist because based on <coughs> your body or your needs, your your meal, your, your nutrition is more helpful. For me, I got rid of, I stopped eating a lot of, a lot of processed food. So a lot, no canned goods. Um, I've had to recently make sure sugar was not an additive in many of the things that I eat. So um, I've been drinking more water, you know, and I started drinking the Gatorades, but I drink the Gatorades that are sugar free and um, or the, the, the energy drinks, which aren't really the best, but it's better than drinking a soda or a juice. Uh, but I um, I just tried to find ways to acclimate my diet, acclimate new things into my diet that aren't necessarily making me feel like I'm losing out. So it, it becomes the way I eat and not necessarily what I can't eat. 
Um, so these things, and the next one is getting out in nature. Uh, just walking more. I'm not a forest person, so walking around my neighborhood helps me a lot. Um, show gratitude and practice kindness. And in a world where we're living in today, that may be harder than harder done than said. Um, and these things equal up to a better happiness. And I wanted, I, I specifically picked this article. I was, I read it a minute ago, but I picked this article because it's, it's been difficult trying to maintain a balance and a um, purpose uh, in this because it just, it feels like there's no end in sight. Um, and this election, I think, is driving many of us crazy because we're, where we thought Tuesday would be the day, and now we're, then Wednesday came, and then Thursday came, and now we're at Friday, and they're still counting. Um, I practice being quiet more and being still more and finding moments to relax. And often it's helpful if you, not just watching TV, but you are physically doing something with your hands. So if you are a crafter, if you like to make things, go back to making things. If you are uh, you're big on home improvement. Find some, you know, either in your home or family member's home, your mom, your dad's home, that you can help repair something or fix something up. Or like I'm working on this room. I, you know, I, I don't want to do too much uh, to it, but I, I have certain things that I, I want to change and, you know, make this room more my studio where I do my art, where I do my radio show and make it more conducive and comfortable. You know, my home wasn't lived in, you know, it was simply a place for me to come and sleep and shower and, you know, get ready for work and, and all those things. It wasn't something that I thought that I would have to live in. So, you know, the last like eight years or so I've been like running with it. So that was one of the things that I had to do for this pandemic. I had to make, you know, it as livable as possible. And it wasn't like it was just a dump, but it wasn't, I didn't live here. You know, I lived either I was at the station or my other office or my, at my other job or at the school or at a rehearsal hall at a theater. I was always somewhere else. Um, so making your environment is very conducive, making your environment um, home and making your home an environment that you can be comfortable in and, and um, making sure the environments outside of your home are as comfortable, even if they aren't yours. So that, that for me, normally if I'm not comfortable somewhere, I don't stay there long. Um, but so this article was very, very important to, to me. And, um, it really has helped me to kind of balance and find a better balance in uh, the dark places that I found myself in throughout this pandemic. And I'm not normally that person. I've had depression as a younger person, but as, as in my adulthood, I, I haven't been faced with it like I've been faced with it in the last eight months. So I've really, that article came right on time because I was finding myself in a really uh, awkward place. Um, and I didn't know how to necessarily get out of that space or that place that I had put myself in. So I um, I say to a lot of you and speaking to myself, you know, just find your joy, find your happiness. And, and let's not let's not do things simply for dollars and cents or for power. And I think this this election is teaching us 
when people are doing things for the wrong reasons, how it affects more than just you. Um, I'm really satisfied and I'm really happy with where I'm at right now. And I, I like, I love this journey that I've been on and I've never had this much time to be with me and to deal with things that I don't normally get to deal with. Um, and I'm working on a number of projects that are for, forcing me to look at me first and, and, and gauge the quality of the outcome on how I'm feeling. Um, but yeah, so this is, um, yeah, this article really helpful. I'll share it to uh, my page as well. Uh, there were a couple other stories that I wanted to get to as well, but um, there's one. Um, this deals with rapper Future. Um, his 17-year-old son, uh, Jacoby Wilburn, suggests his father's a deadbeat dad uh, after sharing posts from the White Howard son. Um, he then wrote um, a post on social media um, talking about how his dad is. And Future has a horrible reputation. We've seen through his relationship with Sierra and their son that they have together and how he does. And this became, uh, this article stood out to me only because it was a second. So Dwight Howard's son, um, his mom is going through some things with his dad. And is I think that's kind of, putting some of the pressure on the son to kind of choose and make a decision. And then when I read this one, it, it becomes an issue. And I'm not saying all dads are deadbeats, but I think, you know, and not even speaking directly on future because I don't know him, but this uh, spoke out, spoke to me because I'm, I'm working on um, a book um, and I'm at the phase where I'm kind of writing down a lot of I'm writing down and recalling a lot of anecdotes from childhood and life. And one of one of the um, common things, especially earlier on in life, and now I'm seeing certain behaviors that I've had as an adult um, connect to those moments as a child. Uh, and it's it's a relationship or lack thereof a relationship with my dad. And I think um, people, I think people overlook children a lot. And I don't think it's necessarily, they think children are uh, stronger than what they are, but I think people think children are resilient. Young people are allegedly more resilient than adults. So I think adults put a lot on children or around children or um, in their interactions with children or lack thereof uh, and, and chalk it up to you. He'll be okay. He'll, you know, he'll grow past this. He really doesn't know what's going on or she doesn't really know what's going on. And we put a lot on children that we don't realize they carry, they pick up and they begin to carry with them. And, and if you don't necessarily see them and see the reaction of them, see the reaction in their uh, childhood, you may often see it play itself out in their adult life. And then by the time they become adults, many of us look at people as if, you know, like what's wrong with you? Who hurt you? 
not realizing a lot of things that they experienced as children is now uh, is now affecting them as adults. And what is um, what is even more interesting is specifically for young men, we often throw men away. We often write men off. We often um, disregard the trauma and the the bad energy that a, a male has because uh, and I, I really don't know why, but I'll say um, in life I've seen more men be thrown away or be cast off uh, or uh, almost as if they are disposable because they aren't all put together. And often um, it's hard to really, it's hard to really, um, pinpoint it because I see so many different examples of it. But um, I think we need to start talking to our children more. I think we need to um, start letting children be children. Children aren't built in babysitters. Um, Children aren't um, therapists for you to tell your problems to. Children are, and, and I say that because children still need to be exposed to real life scenarios, you know, from adults. Like the lights don't mysteriously and magically come on. That takes somebody having to go to work and pay a bill. You know, food don't necessarily appear in a refrigerator. That takes work and somebody buying that food and bringing it home, whomever it may be. Um, and even down to financial, we're learning now that children need to see you pay bills. They need to see how you pay bills. They need to see what you do when, when you can't pay a bill. Um, children need to see those things because as adults, we're going to ultimately have to go through those things. And many of us, I know, me included, um, bill pay was, um, bill paying was something that I had to learn as a very young adult. Um, luckily, I had some some guidance in it, but it wasn't direct. It was just me paying attention to other people do things and then me picking that up. But I'm learning now that even in relationships, you know, I don't think your child needs to know what you're doing in your bedroom. Um, at some point, they need to know what happens in a bedroom, but they they may not need to know the details of your bedroom. But um, we have to begin to teach our children because we're learning bad habits in life. And a person like Future, he got that behavior from somebody. That behavior didn't just come to him because he has money. It probably worsened it because he has money. But I don't think that um, that behavior stemmed from him being wealthy or lyrically talented. Um, So I'm, I'm wondering what can be done on a larger scale or the micro scale to to help a lot of young black men, and that's that's the population that I speak to, uh, speak up to, or speak for um, uh, when I when I speak on subjects like this because I I haven't been anybody else's race. Um, so I'm just I'm really curious as to what can be done, if anything can be done to. Um, rebuild some of these relationships because I'm noticing it's it's been a trend for years, you know, and it's been 
you know, we first, not first, but recently we've seen Lauren Hill and um, I forgot she had a, a child with um, that, that daughter spoke out and various, and I guess we hear about the, the celebrities more so than the everyday people. But we see children, you know, even in the best of situations, like those people are well off, you know, so they have the money to be able to make anything happen for their child. But still, you know, that child suffered from other things that did not happen uh, in the relationships with their parents or in the raising period that they had with their parents. So I'm, I'm, it's something that I, I research a lot and try to figure out as an artist, how can I be helpful or how can I help people to um, tell their stories? Because that's ultimately the reason I decided to write a book. Cause there were a lot of things that I was, a lot of situations that I was sitting on, a lot of things that I have been through that um, as I began to have conversations with other people, I, um, I noticed I wasn't by myself because often people stay stuck in a issue because they feel like they're alone in that issue. Uh, but I've gotten to meet a lot of people who have had similar experiences, you know, and I've, even though a lot of those things that I've gotten to do, I was younger, I started younger. It didn't prevent me from still making mistakes because the problem was still there. Even though I got opportunities to talk about it, the problems or the reactions to the problems were still there. Or I still, you know, fell into the space of going through it. But I'm very curious as to how people really feel or how other people feel we can get through to people like Future to let them know that they're doing more damage to their children. I was reading an um, a article, an interview that 50 Cent had, and because of his relationship with his baby mother, he is now um, disowning his son because his son is, you know, it's been they've been back and forth in the media, just like now Future's son and Dwight Howard's son. Um, but it... I'm just wondering what can be done, if anything. What what can we, what can we focus on? What what we can, uh, what can we do? Because this seems to be a problem, and these young men are growing up to be young, older men, and they're taking those problems with them. And it, it just dawns on me, like I still see um, <clears throat> parents, more so mothers, still doing some of the same things that I've seen happen to other young men and other individuals in this, um, in, in life. And they're still making some of the same mistakes as, um, have been made before. And it's just, just, a. I don't think people understand the nurturing that is required for a young black man. And he needs the same balance in love and nurturing that a young lady would need. Um, and I hear a lot of young women say, you know, they've been um, the structure of their upbringing wasn't the best either. And it, it shows in how people then carry their lot, you know, carry on with their life. So I'm, um, I don't know. I, 
I just want to know at what point will, especially these dads, realize the damage that they're passing on and they're showcasing in their various relationship relationships, specifically if they have children and how they um, how they um, how they have raising their children or not. Um, so I hope that that these fathers at some point get it. But I know getting it is is easier said than done. Um, and I, I'm not a, a parent, so I don't know what that looks like or what that um, feels like. But I just know um, selfishness is is a disease. Um, yeah. So uh, speaking of selfishness, uh, I guess this is our last story. A uh, lawsuit from white women-owned cannabis company argues black and indigenous cannabis entrepreneurs not more disadvantaged. I guess that's, they're saying they're not more disadvantaged than they are. A cannabis company has filed a lawsuit against the Maryland Medical Cannabis Commission, the MMCC, and a number of minority-owned cannabis companies arguing that the process for scoring minority businesses is unfair <clears throat> to white women. Hippocratic Growth, uh, who applied for for grower and processor license and, and were ranked 21st as a grower and 50th, 50th as a processor did not receive any of the pre-approved licenses awarded earlier this month. Hippocratic Growth lists its, uh, and Hippocratic Growth is the name of the company. Uh, Hippocratic Growth lists its team on its website as Chief Executive Officer Ashley Colon, Chief Operating Officer Paige Collin, so Ashley Collin and Chief Operating Officer Paige Collin and Clinical Director Jamie L. Fleetwood, all are white women. Additionally, on the t- on the team is Count Counsel Stephen Meehan, who filed who filed the lawsuit, a white man, along with the MMCC. The lawsuit names all. The- all of the recently announced pre-approved growers and processors, AHI Group, Banquet Labs, Caesar Naturals, Element MD, Greener Good, Herbal Culture Cultivation, Herbal Culture Manufacturing, uh, Mary Leaves, so on and so forth, uh, all were organic organic remedies while in Maryland on the Hippocratic Growth website. It says they are committed to equal treatment and the inclusion of all in this industry, adding, we are happy to join alongside everyone who is fighting for fairness and social change. The lawsuit stresses that the language of the MMCC's medical cannabis disparity study is that it would evaluate a study of the medical cannabis industry and market to determine whether there is a compelling interest to implement remedial measures, including applications of the minority business entrepreneur program or a similar program to assist minorities and women in the medical cannabis 
and assist minorities and women in the medical cannabis industry. The lawsuit puts the phrase to assist minorities and women in the medical cannabis industry in bold. Uh, the lawsuit also challenges what former MMCC executive director Joy Strand claimed that Maryland's medical cannabis industry lacked adequate representation of minority and women business owners uh, with African-American and American Indians, Native Americans found to be significantly more disadvantaged as compared with other minority groups and women. Strands claim that black and indigenous cannabis companies owners are significantly more disadvantaged, disadvantaged is insofar as the disparity studies revealed entirely baseless. According to the lawsuit, in, the, in short, the lawsuit is arguing that white women are not any less disadvantaged than black and indigenous people when it comes to the cannabis industry. And as it results, how businesses were scored is all wrong. Um, I, I, I guess, I guess, well, I, I knew this was going to come. Well, well, this was the issue before, and it was something that was brought up as an issue uh, as marijuana was being, um, medical marijuana was being made legal in, city, in, in states like Maryland and, uh, and around the United States. Uh, it was saying that it would be harder for minorities to obtain licenses and certifications in order to become growers and processors and um, distributors distributors of um, medical marijuana. And this article basically is just a, a lawsuit to defend that argument, but now it's actually being proven that um, it, there was a push to help minorities and women-owned companies to become legitimate, but it's still saying that it's still a big gap. Ooh, a big gap in the... Um, uh, a big gap in how Sorry. people are being licensed. These, you know what? These um, sound effects are giving me too much. So, you know, as we as we know, uh, minority businesses suffer the most in in cities like this, in states like this, where it's still on. And I, it's crazy that even in 2020, 2020 we're still facing um, a lot of inequalities and a lot of um, this unfair treatment when it comes to minority businesses and minorities in general. It's just crazy across the board. That that article just stuck out to me because I remember that being the argument for how um, we were going to be treated anyway. So it really just, it's just crazy that we're still in a space where, hello, hello, Monty, but anyway, it, it's just weird that we're still in a space where our minority businesses are still underfoot uh, and under uh, underserved even in the business world, but uh, hopefully this new administration will will help rectify many of those things. And I don't think anybody want, um, what do they call it? Um, a, a, what is it? Um, 
I think I'm about to say it wrong. Um, we don't want, well, we, I think we need a boost, but people don't want to just be, I, I, like for me, I don't want you to make room for me. I want you to create laws and policies that give me a fair chance. Affirmative action, that's the word that was coming to my mind. Um, nobody wants to be made room for, because that means I don't necessarily deserve to be here. But um, I know for me, as and this, this uh, pandemic has really helped me to get, get out of so many things that I was involved in and kind of build up my own processes and my own business and my own way of doing things. So I'm not so reliant on um, uh, others and other people's businesses. But I, um, we got to figure out a way to make this a fair game. Like everybody, it's room for everybody to grow. And I know competition is is deadly sometimes because people get too um, caught up in the competition of it all. But I think it's room for everybody to achieve and, and to get out of success, what they want, without having to push somebody else down. So I'm really glad that Trump is losing and we don't have to go to another four years of him because I think he opened up uh, uh, a space in this country. He didn't create it, but he helped shine light on it and boost up, up individuals who are very greedy. And we see a lot of black, a lot of the black men and individuals in general that voted for him. We see that level of greed in them. And we see that, that, that uh, inability to support others and to, to play fair in them. That's, you know, that's why I can't fault certain ones that are rappers or, or individuals for um, choosing him because I, I know they were voting from their wallets and not from their uh, heart or minds even. Um, so that's that's kind of it in, in terms of stories. I, I just these were things that I've been reading, some articles that I've been reading, and um, I'm going to try to incorporate more of articles. I don't want to do all articles like I did today, but. I just want to uh, and just incorporate more information. I don't want to just speak from feeling so much on here as um, to actually give information and actually kind of share the information that I've been uh, going through. Um, I want to. So a couple of things that are that I'm working on right now. One, I said the book. Um, I'm in a kind of a writer's block moment right now. So I'm working through that. Um, but so next year, the book should be available. So I'm, I'm aiming for um, May of, of spring, May of next year, 2021, for the book to be released. Um, so look forward for that. And it'll be a collection of stories. And um, um, think of, you know, a book that, it, 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 it will allow you to be almost like a fly on a wall of a therapy session. Um, and it's, it's just me really getting through a lot of things and really getting a lot of things out and speaking on, you know, experiences that I've had experiences from people. It's not all about me. Um, there is a lot of stories from people that I've come across that I've talked to and gotten their permission, of course. 
um, but just a lot of experiences that I've had with others and, and with myself and, and just a journey up until this point. I don't feel like this is my life story, but it's definitely um, something that I think we all need, uh, that I want to contribute, not that I think we all need it, but something that I want to contribute to um, helping others who don't feel like they have a voice. Um, second, um, I have, I'm trying out. Um, I'm trying out a new format for a podcast. It's called um, the Binge Worthy series, where we um, highlight and spotlight spotlight the historical, social, and uh, historical, social, and um, historical, social and the cultural connection between film and TV within the black uh, media entertainment uh, world. And myself and uh, G. Oliver, we talk a lot about these um, principles and these ideals in life as it pertains to the stuff that we're watching. TV and film and movies have become a huge part of our culture. And we are finally, as black people, people of color, getting to see reflections on the big screen or the streaming networks on TV or film uh, that reflect our stories. And it's something I'm loving how everybody is being represented and there's a platform for everybody to be represented. Um, And I'm hoping that 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 pendulum effect doesn't swing back and clear out um, all of our voices or the majority of the voices again. So that uh, podcast, a uh, new episodes are, are developed or are, are, uh, put out every Tuesday. The first episode is up and on, uh, you can go to the YouTube page, the artist exchange, uh, YouTube page, and you can go to binge worthy podcast on Facebook to, to see the, the first episode. The second episode will be out this Tuesday and every Tuesday after that we'll, um, post a new episode. They're pre-recorded, but you can definitely comment and talk and because the uh, conversation is between me and, and G. Oliver and we are uh, just exploring this film and TV, things that you know about. Maybe you'll be introduced to some new shows and it's just something I want to try a different format than just this. Sometimes you just want something different, something more. And I'm jumping out there. You know, I've, I've given people that advice my whole life to to do what you do and jump out there and da 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 and i'm I'm really excited that um this so the first episode was um we've got a lot of good feedback on it, and uh hopefully I'll get George on here. I'm supposed to have him on here this week, but I'll have him on soon so we can talk more about it. You can learn more about it and the artist exchange is definitely growing. I've been talking to a couple people I actually just did uh two different um magazine articles that will be out soon uh actually three one doesn't come out until december um one will be out in november and i have to get the information on the third one so you'll um see more information on the artist exchange out there um uh it was a great interview the two interviews the first two were really great i've done one half of one interview so i have to do the other half which is an audio interview um so I'm excited about a lot of things that we have. Um, If you didn't know, I designed jewelry. Um, So you can go to our website at bashtopbluejewelry.com and you can um, get more information on 
the latest pieces the new pieces are added every week so you can definitely go in there i do custom work um wedding parties you know i do jewelry design parties i'm trying to put together a a zoom um jewelry making party and i'm working on how that will look in terms of supplies and all that so um stay tuned for that um what else uh, if you're looking for a platform to start your show, um, to build a new show, to revamp a show, come on over to Be Exposed Radio. You can email us at info at beexposedradio.com. Um, and in the subject line, just say, I want a show. And myself and Money will get back to you at our earliest convenience. Um, oh, yeah. And I am sitting in on a morning show out of Atlanta. Uh, we are you radio. I'm sitting on that. Just trying something new. Like I said, just, just trying to be everything, <laughs> everything that I can be whilst I have this time to do those things. Uh, and that comes on Monday through Friday. It's kind of early at 6 a.m. So while you're getting ready for work, while you're, you know, up with the kids, um, check it out. 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. is mostly music. So if you need that, that upbeat, you know, <laughs> vibe, uh, and then we do stories and stuff throughout as well. So definitely look into that. Um, we are you radio. You can find it on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that. Um, or we are you radio.com. But um, be exposed is home. So definitely hit us up uh, every Monday and Friday here on the Artist Exchange Radio Show. And also, do we have a, the next show up is Cocktail Social tonight. And then we have, can I, can I announce the other show? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, But we'll have more information on some new shows that we have coming up. Um, So we are all digital format. So you don't have to be in Maryland um, um, to start your show. So come on, come on through. We are waiting for you. Um, And yeah. What else did I wanted to say? I wanted to say something else tonight. So I talked about the website, the shows, and what else? It was something else I wanted to say. Um, it it comes to mind. I'll, I'll probably post it if if I don't think about it in the next couple minutes. But take care of yourself. Self care is very important. Um, hopefully, you know, Monty will get on at some point and talk about his his new fitness journey. Um, and I've been actually talking to a few trainers. So, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a lot getting old, older, because I'm not old. Monty's old. I'm like, older. Um, but just keeping Phone yourself fixes. first. Huh? Now I was just Phone saying you were fixes. old. Durr. But getting older is is uh, it's not a challenge, but it's it's more than I expected. Um, so just treat yourself. Make sure you treat yourself. Make sure you're doing great things for yourself. Making sure you're jumping out there constantly. You're staying adventurous. You're staying open to new possibilities. You're not limiting yourself. You're you know you're pivoting as you need to pivot, and you're just enjoying yourself. Um, Try something new every day, once a week. 
um, communicate, engage, forgive, let go, um, be you. Um, don't let anybody else determine who you are. Um, and I'm, I'm, I have to say, and I've, I've been hearing this a lot on other platforms, but I am just very thankful at the number of people who got out and voted. But as we can clearly see, voting day is not where it ends. It continues on beyond voting day. In two years, when the next election comes up and Governor Hogan is on the chopping block uh, and individuals like him, uh, we got to get out and vote again. Um, do as much as you can do to stay, keep your ear to the streets. I know a lot of people are busy and, and work a lot, but keep your ear to the streets. Uh, stay as updated as we're staying for this current election results. Um, don't lose the momentum. It's, it will be tiresome at times. Take breaks when you need it, but stay on top of it. If you have children, make sure you are in the know with all the information that's going out. If you are an artist or an entrepreneur, making sure you know the day-to-day -day business news that's coming up. Stay knowledgeable. Um, because in two years we have another election and not just for the presidential election, but this is, this will determine a lot, you know, in, in the next two years that, you know, what's going on. Uh, but just stay in a know. So when, when the next election come up, you're already up to date. You already know what's going on. You already know who's up for reelection. You, you're monitoring how people are, you know, you're keeping people honest and you're keeping their integrity up. Um, we have a new mayor in the city now. Um, Kwasi and Fume, you know, individuals like that, they're Kamala and by keeping them honest and keeping them on, on point with what they said they were going to do for us. Um, and don't just let them do a job for you. Don't let them speak for you. Um, we've had four years of that and we don't need to be back here. I, I, I don't want us to get start rallying up a couple of weeks before the next election, but let's just stay active. It's our civic responsibility to not only be knowledgeable of everything that's going on, but to be um, up to date with that knowledge. Um, so I'm very impressed at the record breaking numbers of people who got out and voted in this election, no matter how you voted. Um, I would have preferred you voted blue, but uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with the number of people who got out and vote, voted. And I'm very impressed with the number of people who I now see who are actively uh, engaged in, um, in voting. Um, so this is my show for this evening. I'll be back on Monday. We have some good guests coming up. Ooh, I don't know what, you know what? This room is haunted. It is. I'm, I got to get out of here. Uh, but uh, this has been an Artist Exchange radio show. If you missed, if you came in late, you can watch us on repeat on Facebook, on the Artist Exchange page or Big Exposed page or YouTube on the Big Exposed radio page on YouTube. Don't forget, like, share, subscribe, comment, complain, talk back, all those things. Because I wasn't following the show on our social platforms tonight. But peace out. I'll, I guess I'll see y'all in a few minutes on the Cocktail Social. Peace.